Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's going on, everybody? The No Huddle Show here for our Tuesday reaction pod. And we're going to start things off a little bit different. First, Matt, how you doing? I'm excited to get into uh, some reactions because we got a lot. We got a lot of reactions off our podcast from uh, after the game. Yeah, we really did. And it's kind of surprising the reaction to our opinion on how things played out. And it's going to be fun to look back on that Bears game a little bit. But also, Elliot, we have to start turning the page and looking ahead because these next two games, I know you wrote about it on Monday. We've been talking about this for weeks. These two games on the road against the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams, they're going to define the Eagles season. And we're going to know everything we need to know about this team. We've talked a lot about strength of schedule, teams they've played, teams they've beaten, the caliber of the opponents. We're we're going to know everything about this team and where they're going to be for the postseason, in my opinion, after the next two weeks. Agreed. So since we are doing a lot of reaction, the first thing, I have two things I want, to, I want to take care of before we get into it. First, if you are listening, please subscribe. I sometimes forget to say that at the beginning of the episode, and I, I want to make sure I say it, though. We really appreciate it. Um, it's a no huddle show, and you can get on all your podcast networks, you know, uh, iTunes, all that stuff. So please subscribe. But the second thing is, there's been some discrepancy into what number of comments we want to get to. Because we, we originally said 200 by the Cowboys game. We blew that out the water. Yep. Uh, we're, we're at 270 right now. So I know Joe had thrown out like 1,000 or something like that. I decided the goal, and tell me what you think. I want to get to 300 five-star reviews by the Rams game. By the end of yeah, the Rams game. I think so we can get third. there. That, yeah. That's about two weeks. And the more that we have in terms of subscribers, the more people who uh, throw some reviews out there. We're only 30 reviews away from that 300 mark. I think we can do it. I, I, I think I want to throw down the gauntlet of 500 by the first playoff game. And well, uh, maybe, five, maybe, but let's let, let's just stay with the 300 uh, for now. No, 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 maybe, <laughs> no, maybe's about it here. If we're going to stay right. short goal. We got to have a long-term goal. So please help us out with those five-star reviews, those five-star ratings, 300 by the end of the Rams game, 500 by the time their first playoff game kicks off. So that's the call we're throwing down. I like it. All right. Speaking of comments, we're going to start off with uh, our YouTube commenters. Um, we appreciate everyone that listens on YouTube. Lots of comments this week on the YouTube, uh, on the YouTube page, 71 comments. Um, I read all of them. Yeah, maybe there, there's like maybe one or two nice ones in there. But for the most part, the general consensus was we were being too negative in our postgame pod. And I think that's a good way to kind of talk a little bit about the Bears game. Um, we don't talk about it too much because, like you said, I think it's time to look ahead and they, they demolish the Bears. But a lot of people were saying we were haters. People were saying we were nitpicking. Here's what I would say. And I'll, I'll let I'll, you can go after this. 
everyone's saying, well, you know, we're focusing too much on the 11 penalties. We're focusing too much on the fumbles. When Doug Peterson was asked at his post game on his Monday press conference, what, what he noticed after watching the tape, the first thing he brought up was the penalties and the fumbles. So you guys can say we're nitpicking all we want. You know, you, you can say we're being negative. The reality of the situation is penalties are a major issue for the Eagles. They're still top 10 in the league. Turnovers, not so much, but they did fumble it four times on Sunday. So it was an issue then. They, they won by 28 points. That's great. I, I, you know, but they have to play a cleaner brand of football from here on out, starting with these next two weeks and then in the playoffs. So maybe it's being nitpicking, but it is what it is. They played a sloppy game. On Sunday, they're just so talented, and the Bears are not good that right. that didn't matter. And I said that right out of the shoot on Sunday because you came right on and you pointed out that they're a top ten team in turno in, in penalties. You talked about the penalties on Sunday. You talked about turning the ball over, and I, and I tried to you know rein you in a little bit and say that they still won the game thirty-one to three, and that the Bears just weren't a good enough team or a talented enough team to make the Eagles pay for their mistakes. But their next two opponents on the road in Seattle, which I, I think the Eagles are going to win the game, and we have plenty of time this week to talk about I'm not that. So sure. But still, on the road in Seattle and then going on the road to the Rams, which I think is going to be their toughest game on the schedule and their most daunting task between now and a potential Super Bowl. But I, I just look at what happened on Sunday. The Bears weren't good enough to capitalize on some of the mistakes that the Eagles right. made. And, and if you want to hear that the Eagles are going to go 15-1 and one, and they're going to win the Super Bowl by 30 points and that they're going to win the next five Super Bowls, there are podcasts out there you can listen to, but we're going to give you the analysis. We're going to break it down. And I think it is telling, Elliot, that by the time that this thing hit the the airwaves on Sunday night and by the time Doug Peterson stepped to the podium on Monday afternoon, all of the things you pointed out, all of the things that we discussed, whether it was the potential of getting penalized for a celebration, whether it was cleaning up the turnovers, whether it was eliminating penalties, all of those things were the conversation that drove the day on Monday. So if people are unhappy with that, that that's just the nature of analyzing the NFL and analyzing the Eagles. So the one thing, though, I will back off a little bit off my off the Sunday pod is I, I mean, the celebrations. Look, I still think that eventually it's going to come back to bite them. Like I can just picture a team doing the electric slide. And like, let's say the Eagles are playing the Saints in the playoffs. And look, the Saints are a good team. It would there would be no shame in losing to the Saints. Let's yep. say the Eagles are losing to the Saints. They're, you know, the game's decided, and and they do, and the Saints do the electric slide. Like there, there are gonna be the, the 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 risky part of of doing that. And you know, they can say it's about them all they want. To a certain degree, it is showing up your opponent. Um, it's, yeah, but I don't even want to go that far. I, I think that the biggest concern, and Doug talked about this on Sunday right after the game, the biggest concern, in my opinion, and, and it comes up in conversation when people come up to me in Wawa or I go to you know, my, the bagel shop I go to to get a bagel. The first thing that people are asking me this week are, hey, what do you think of the celebrations? What's up with the celebrations? And I agree. I think it's fun. And I think around the league, you're seeing teams really get into it and have a good time. And that's all well and good. But I, I touched on this on Sunday, and you did as well, Elliot. My biggest worry is, that you're going to draw a penalty for this eventually. And I know that they didn't show this on, on, you know, Fox during the game broadcast because uh, my father didn't see it. And the bagel guy didn't see it, but <laughs> the Eagles defense, they threw the ball up in the air into the field of play and had to run out and get it. Yeah. Before Nick Foles had a chance to kneel down. And I know it was the end of the game. I know it was out of hand. So they probably were a little overexcited and over-exaggerated the celebration, but you risk getting a five or 10 yard delay a game penalty there. And in a more critical spot of the game, a more, 
competitive juncture, those penalties can kind of turn the tide of a game or at least give your opponent that additional 10, 15 yards, whether it's after a turnover or on the ensuing kickoff. So I think it's fun, but I think that the Eagles kind of need to dial it back a bit to avoid potentially increasing the penalties because that's a self-inflicted wound. You want to talk about a pass interference or a holding call, those things can be tic-tac penalties. But if you start getting penalized, and to the credit, this hasn't happened yet, but if you get penalized for you know an over-exuberant celebration or a delay of game, that's where you can say that it's getting out of hand. So this came out this morning. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to see it yet, see it yet but um, you know how they always mic players up and they'll like have sideline cams and stuff like that. Yep. There's this clip of Wendell Smallwood, and you can't see who he's doing it with, but he's on the sideline playing tic-tac-toe with one of the boards, the whiteboards. Oh, that was great. And, yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, like to, to kind of transition to the next thing I wanted to talk about, um, you know, that's fine, you know, not to rip on Wendell Smallwood, but I do think it speaks to, you know, coming off the celebrations, you got Wendell Smallwood playing uh, tic-tac-toe on the sideline. Like, I think this team is in need of a challenge and it'll be interesting to see how they react to it because, you know, like you watch the, and we, we only hear part of the sideline clips, but they're talking about what celebrations they're going to do. Wendell Smallwood's playing tic-tac-toe. They're up 24, nothing at halftime. Um, that, presumably is not going to happen against the Seahawks. And I, I don't want to get into the Seahawks too much because we'll have a preview pod on Friday, but I feel like everyone's writing off the Seahawks, but just looking at their NFL um, stat, I mean, their stats like on NFL, NFL.com, top 10 in points. I mean, they're, they're top 10 basically on everything but rushing yards on offense. And then on defense, they're top 10 in points, yards, passing yards, and rushing yards. So I know, you know, part of that is because they used to have Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor, and now they don't. But the Seahawks are not – this is not an easy win just because they're mi- – I mean, they're missing no, a few players. But, but you got to remember, the Eagles are five-point favorites going into that game. And I don't want to get into too many, too many of the specifics just like you. But I think that when people are looking at Seattle, they're looking at them just differently than we have in years past. Because in years past, you could get out the chisel and the, and the rock and etch in that L – on the schedule going right. into Seattle. But I don't think that the Seahawks have that air of invincibility right now. They lost a game to the Redskins up there, if I remember correctly. So you, you yeah. look at, you know, they just haven't played all that well at home. They lost on Monday night, 34 to 31, two weeks ago against an Atlanta team that went out and punched them in the mouth early. But part of that success in running the ball, it's come from Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson's a mobile quarterback. We know that he likes to tuck and run it and extend plays. And, you know, you look at what he's been able to do. He scored rushing touchdowns in each of the last two games. So I'm not saying that this game is a layup by any stretch, but I think that if you view it through the prism of these two games defining your season, I think the Seattle game is a much more winnable, more favorable matchup for the Eagles than the Rams game is. Yeah, I mean, they're both going to be tough, uh, yep. but I guess my, my, my counter is kind of, I'm not trying to discredit the Eagles for the 10 and one start because 10 and one's 10 and one. I don't care who you play. Like you're 10 and one. Yep. Um, I mean, they played Mitch Trubisky, uh, CJ Bethard. I mean, they haven't faced good quarterbacks recently. So hey, you're sounding he, like me. I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> well, but I'm saying like, you know, Russell Wilson, you could say, well, some of the rushing yards are from him. Well, they haven't faced elite quarterbacks. So right. my, my only thing is like, I'm just going to be really interested to see how the Eagles react over these next two weeks, because if they go two and oh, I don't care if they win each game by one point. Like if they beat both of these two teams in back to back weeks, then I think you can really 100 percent talk about them as a Super Bowl contender. I think they are now to some degree, but in my head, I still have a little worry about how they'll react to the postseason and about how that that, 
you know, it's just it's a different it's a different kind of ball game. I mean, Malcolm yeah. Jenkins talked about it after the game on Sunday that you, you find out a lot about these teams when when you go into these type of situations. Torrey Smith said it, too. I mean, these are two guys that have they both won Super Bowls, but also they've they've been in big road games. I mean, yeah. all the times, you know, the uh, Torrey Smith would go with the Ravens into Pittsburgh like those are big games. And the Eagles haven't really played those games yet. I mean, I know they had Dallas last week, but Dallas is really bad right now. Um, right. So, and and I'll, I just one quick point on that because I know that we've talked a lot about how playoff tested or not this team is. I wrote about how Doug Peterson has really changed the culture of that locker room in, in such a short time. And one of the things that Chris Long talked about, and Malcolm Jenkins and Torrey Smith, and even Garrett Blunt to a certain degree. You know, there are a lot of veterans that were brought in here that do have Super Bowl experience. So I think that it's that it's that coupling of a young quarterback who's a franchise quarterback, young players who the team has drafted and developed who are now contributing, you know, on both sides of the football. But you have Torrey Smith with the Super Bowl ring in that room. Chris Long, LeGarrette Blunt, Malcolm Jenkins. Th- these guys know what it takes to get it done. And that infusion of veteran leadership, I think, mitigates some of the fact that this team hasn't gone into the postseason as a group, but there are guys that can stand up in those team meetings and say, listen, th- these are the, this is how it's different. This is how teams are going to approach you different. These are how the distractions get different this time of year. This is how much mistakes within a game get magnified in playoff games. So I think that while it remains to be seen how it actually plays out, I'm not quite as concerned about the lack of playoff experience because they do have so many guys that have either Super Bowl rings or lengthy playoff resumes in that room. Yeah, I agree with all that. That being said, um, and, you know, I we've both been very high on Wentz. I mean, I know you like Khalil Mack more, but like (laughs) if (laughs) but I mean, that being said, you just if Wentz doesn't show up, it changes everything. So I agree with everything you just said. But the fact is their most important player on the team has never played in a playoff game. And that's a factor. But let me ask ask you this this real quick. Uh, Let me just ask you real quick. Have we seen this year? I mean, I kind of take last year and put it on a shelf because Wentz was still developing his skill set. The supporting pass wasn't what it was. He didn't have Lane Johnson for 10 games. But I was talking about this with my father after the game, and he was watching Jared Goff and watching Drew Brees as he was on the phone with me on my drive home. You know, have we seen and have you seen any indication that Wentz won't rise to the occasion in the no, playoffs? Absolutely not. And I, I heard a stat this week that I think he was 5-0 and um, in college in the playoffs. Um, I have absolutely no reason whatsoever to think he'll, pan- he'll panic. I, in fact, I think his personality and way, the way he stepped up in some games, even last year, I mean, the Ravens game, I think he started off slow in, in tight situations in the games, but he improved throughout the year. So I have absolutely no reason to think that. That being said, I think that's the biggest risk that they the, that if they lose, like I think that's the reason that and maybe yeah. the secondary versus a good quarterback. But the, I guess what I'm trying to say in a long winded way is if Wentz plays the way he has in the regular season in the playoffs, this team is going to the Super Bowl and they'll probably win it. I think that's the 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 lack of playoff experience and the unknown is is the only thing holding them back. It, it not holding them back. It's the only concern in in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so let me ask you now. Do you think this Seahawks game, true or false, is the toughest game the Eagles will have on their schedule when they play it? Not so. I mean, from that they've played so far. So not looking ahead, when they go into Seattle, is this the toughest game they will have played so far? Uh, I do. I think that when you look at everything in terms of going into Seattle, when you look at everything in terms of the matchups, the ground game, Russell Wilson, the best quarterback they've played, I think this is going to be their most daunting task. I agree. And so, so to that thing. That's what I'm kind of saying. So if they win, I think it'll be an incredibly impressive win. I, I don't think 
I, I won't be sitting here saying, well, the Seahawks are banged up. I'm like, no, that's an incredibly impressive win. If they lose, I think I don't think it's a it's panic mode or anything, but I do think then you start to say, all right, well, they lost a game, they lost a playoff game type game on the road. Let's see how they react in L.A. Um, and I wrote about this, talking about looking ahead. If they lose both these two games, things could get really interesting really quickly and not in the way the Eagles like. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying they'll, they'll – clearly they're going to make the playoffs, but, I mean, they could have a playoff spot locked up by the time they go to Seattle. But a top-two seed is not as guaranteed as everyone thinks. If they lose to Seattle and they lose to the Rams, I don't think they will lose both those games. But if they do, then you have three losses, and I think you could be looking at the potential playing wildcard weekend. So um, in the video that the Eagles release after the game every week where it shows Doug Speech and Malcolm Jenkins talking to the team, Malcolm said, look, this two weeks is about showing who we are to the NFL, and it's, it's, a big, it's the biggest two-week stretch of the season. So it, it is huge. I think any, you know, anybody that wants to say, well, the media is blowing it up, Within this locker room, they know how big of a uh, how big of a next two games these are. So, yeah, Elliot, get- I, this was this Sorry, was the first time on Sunday that you had guys openly talking about getting a bye week, openly talking yeah. about making the road to the Super Bowl a more navigable road. So, I, I think these guys are really starting to understand what's at stake here, and I think that they're taking that bigger picture approach that the media and the fan base has for some time. So let's get let's get into the tweets. Um, we appreciate everyone that tweets us after the game. You can tweet us at hashtag the No Huddle Show or email us at the No Huddle Show at njadvancemedia.com. Um, all right, this first tweet comes from at Liberty Cliff. Question for the No Huddle Show: Have we ever seen an Eagles team this locked in? I feel like during McNabb years we were winning but piecing it together, consistent and nonstop right now. Um, you want to take that one? Um, yeah, I, I think that. In terms of this era of Eagles football, and I'm talking about from Chip Kelly on, because I think that Andy Reid's final year was the first time I was really around the team. And and my first year covering the team, uh, along with you, albeit at different outlets, was Chip Kelly's first year. So that's really my baseline, because we can Uh look at watching those teams, the McNabb years. But I remember Andy Reid, you know, those teams historically would go on runs in November and December when they'd win five, six, seven games in a row heading into the postseason. But in terms of just from week one through week 17, just a, a, a team that looks like it's on a mission, I think they might be unmatched. I, I don't know that we've ever seen an Eagles team this dialed in for this lengthy a period of time. I agree. And so I can't really remember off the top of my head, like their strength of schedule the year they went to the Super Bowl with McNabb. But I do think people are really overlooking how good that team was. And yep. because they had... I mean, they were battle-tested, like, to the core. I mean, I know they'd never been to the Super Bowl at that point, but four straight – well, they went to four straight NFC champion, uh, NFC championship games, uh, you know, winning 10, 11 games every year. Like, that's really hard to do. So um, I think that, you know, have we ever seen the Eagles team this locked in? Yeah, I do think those teams were extremely locked in. Um, in terms of blowing people out by 20-plus points, no, they weren't doing that every week. But I'd be interested to see how much I had to do with competition because Eagles haven't faced great teams over the last few weeks. Um, yep, no, I, I agree. So this next one, at Vito603NH, facts and results speak for themselves. The Eagles are for real, no doubt. NFL beware. And to answer this one, I'll bring up our old friend Mark Eckel. I was talking to him on the phone yesterday. And for those that remember listening to him and reading him over the years, he is – the definition of, of, of an Eagles hater in some ways. I mean, he always, always had, you know, a negative thing to say. And I respect that about him because he kept it real and he, he was never, you know, riding the wave. I called him, I called him yesterday and he said, 
this he he was almost speechless to the point where he said, I you know, I don't know what to say about him. Like they're just really, really good. Yep. And if there was a negative to point out, I know Echo would have found it. And yeah, there are some, you know, for, we're closer to the team now, so you can point to things. But the Eagles are for real. There there's just no doubt about it. Um so I, I agree with that statement full heartedly. I, I agree. So let's go right down the list here. We'll go to uh at Delightsy89, Eagles running back coach Deuce Staley deserves some respect. The way he rotates his backs is quite spectacular. And by the way, love the show, guys. First of all, thank you. And, and Elliot, let me throw this one to you and get your take on this. Because watching Deuce Staley over the last two seasons, and particularly this year when you have the running back by committee of LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, it's, it's really almost speaks for itself how dominant this team is running the football. Kind of as a reflection of Deuce Staley and what he's been able to do, I get the sense, and I know that maybe this might be a little bit of a leap for him. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Deuce Staley gets an offensive coordinator job this offseason. I mean, there are going to be teams that are going to look to, you know, pluck from the Eagles staff. They're going to be looking for coaches that know what it takes to develop a quarterback or build an offense. And don't forget, the Eagles interviewed Deuce Staley for the head coaching vacancy when they fired Chip Kelly. What do you think? Do you think there's a shot that Deuce could actually wind up as an offensive coordinator somewhere this offseason? So not to sound like a hater, but no. I just don't. Just because I think when you look at, to me, what the the job Deuce has done that sticks out to me the most is just dealing with the personalities in that locker room. But the way he rotates his backs, um, I you know, I think Doug and Frank Reich have something to do with that. And I think the running game is successful because of the job Jeff Stoutland does and in, in, in the play scheming and stuff. And I'm sure Deuce I agree. has something to do with that. But um, just look at how quickly they got Ajayi up to speed, primarily by having him work with Deuce Staley in the two days after the trade leading up to his first game and then that that bye week. I, I just no. Again, I don't think that it's a sure thing, but I think there's a chance that when teams come knocking, he might get a look for a coordinator spot. Yeah, Maybe I mean, I'm, look, I, I shouldn't say 0%. I would just be surprised. Um, but that being said, you know, we, we get to meet with Deuce basically twice a year, and he does have that, like, kind of head coach personality. So um, I think he, he would be – he would be uh, I don't know if I should say he'd be good at it, but I could see how what, what he might have some strengths in terms of um, offensive coordinator and head coach. Uh, all right, the next one, at Bittner Evan. Do we need to start worrying about Foles getting elbow soreness if he has to play every Sunday? <laughs> All right, that's the, point, that's the point of the season we've reached. Uh, we've reached a ten and one. Um, I mean, you know, the only interesting thing with Foles, not to get sidetracked, is just whether he's back next year. But uh, in terms of getting elbow soreness, um, no, nah, I think they'll be just fine. But it is interesting to watch him out there because you know we talk about Wentz and uh, you know, how important he is to this team. Let's just, just very quickly, let's say Wentz goes down, you know, knock on wood. We don't want to see anybody ever get hurt. Um, how, how do you think, you know, Foles would, re- I mean, how do you think Foles would do? Do you think this team, they're going to make the playoffs. So could they win a playoff game with Foles? You know, I think they, you know, it all depends. I mean, I thought that they'd be able to win a playoff game against the Saints when mm-hmm. uh, I picked them to beat the Saints a couple of years ago in 2013, the last time they were in the postseason. And I think the running game and the defense is good enough to carry the Eagles across the finish line against a team at home, maybe like in Atlanta, maybe like a Carolina, whoever comes in here for that first game after a hypothetical bye week. But I think you lower the ceiling on this team significantly if Carson Wentz isn't the quarterback. I don't think that it goes to the fact that, you know, they'd be underdogs in a home playoff game, but 
you look at an NFC championship game situation a whole lot differently. And I think you approach the playoff game in, in the, the divisional round a lot differently with Foles being out there. But with that said, I think that there's a good chance you're going to see Nick Foles play in that Dallas Cowboy game and the Eagles might have everything wrapped up by then. Agreed. Um, I don't think it would be a situation where uh, like your boy Matt McGloin last year with the Raiders. I don't think it would be it would be like that. But I agree, obviously, Wentz is I mean, he's MVP of the league. So clearly, if you lose him, that would be an issue. Um, From Yeah, from at uh, G Summers 75, Big V didn't seem to look great, had at least two holding calls and gave up a lot of pressure. Very concerning going into the Seattle Seahawks game. I disagree. To be yep. honest, I mean, I know he had two holding calls and I would disagree. He gave up a lot of pressure. Um, I think he's played well since he's been taken since he's been playing for Peters. Um, you know, I mean, the Seahawks defense is still really good, especially on the road. So I would I would argue, you know, it's concerning in general going against them. Um, you know, I would also say that Big V, although I'm not concerned, is probably the weak link of the offense just because he hasn't played a ton. Um but I think but it's I, also fair to say that he's improved every week since he's been out there. As the yeah, even last year he did. I thought, yeah. I mean, obviously he had a terrible first game against Redskins last year, but I thought he played well towards the end of the stretch. And Stoutland said earlier this year when we talked to him that he's actually a more natural left tackle than he is a right tackle. Um, so I think they like him a lot there. I, I, honestly, I think he's your starting left tackle next year. Uh, so um, I, I, I disagree. But I could see why there'd be reason for concern, but I, I, uh, I disagree he's not look good. Uh, all right, next, at Man of Steel 95, should we be concerned how angry Ajayi looked every time he left the field? Interesting. Um, so I didn't notice that. I mean, we don't, we don't watch the, the broadcast feed right. a lot of times. So, I mean, I didn't see any close-ups of him. Um, I could see why he'd be frustrated to a degree. I mean, he fumbled the ball when he could have had a touchdown. Um, a lot's being made what he made after the game. And I have all the respect in the world for Ray Dinger, but I disagree that he seemed mad about his touches. Um, I think he was just mad about, you know, his, uh, his fumble. That being said, obviously he has a reputation from Miami. Right. So I guess it's something to, to look towards, but here, I haven't here's, seen, yeah, here's I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's upset. Yeah. Here, here's the problem. I, I, I don't know how comfortable he is in a running back by committee because I remember in the, in the locker room at AT&T stadium, I asked him point blank because I wrote the story on Monday about how this might be the best running back group in the NFL and that the Eagles running game, in addition to Wentz, is really powering this team and going to have to carry that, this team in playoff type situations. And, and I asked Jay Ajayi flat out, have you ever been in a situation with this much talent in the running back room? And you could tell his tone, and I know we're reading into a lot when we start thinking about guys' right. tone of voices when they answer a question, but he said that this is just something I have to deal with. I like winning. Mm but it's something I have to deal with. So, you know, that kind of set off little alarms in the back of my mind because you hear about what happened in Miami and the fact that he was kind of a me first player. You heard about how he might get a little bit disgruntled if he's not the lead dog in that running back by committee. And on Sunday, if LeGarrette Blount with the most touches at 15. So I, I don't know that we're, it's time to be concerned about Jay Ajayi, but if you're looking for Jay Ajayi to be Mr. Warm and Fuzzy because he's part of a three-headed attack at the running back position... I don't know that you're ever going to see that until if and when the Eagles hoist the Lombardi trophy and maybe next year he's the number one back on the depth chart. And I will also say that, you know, and we're jumping 15 steps ahead, but let's just say for whatever reason, you know, he doesn't carry the ball a lot next week and he doesn't against the Rams and blah, blah, blah. And he does mouth off and it becomes an issue like one, this team will not put up with it. That locker room is there tight. LeGarrette Blunt won't put up with it. Um, so I think that would be handled really quickly. And honestly, yep. with – with how much the Eagles seem to be like 
protecting their chance at a, at, a, at a Super Bowl this year just from the moves they've made, the way they're handling things. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he actually becomes somewhat of an issue in that locker room if they just, like, sent him home. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen. Because, no, no, it's not going to happen. I agree. But yeah. I guess the only thing I'm saying is if anyone's worried about Ajayi, like, ruining this season and becoming an issue, like, the Eagles will not allow that to happen. No, I agree. Opinion. And you look at that, lo- that that running back room, and every day after a game, they're cracking jokes with each other. Yeah, no, with Eric right. Lund and, and, yeah. and Kenyon Barner. You look at um, Corey Clement cracking jokes with these guys. So even within that running back room, this isn't the, the case of one bad apple ruining the whole bunch. If Ajayi mm-hmm. is going to be a bad apple, He's going to be a bad apple on an island. It's That's not what going I mean. To, right. It's not going to derail anything. Um, we're going to blow through at MRM 5256's question. We appreciate it, but we already touched on it with the sloppy penalties, turnovers about the Bears, and it's not going to work against the Saints and Seahawks. But uh, Michael... Michael Heidel 10 checks in. I'm on to Seattle. All the mistakes will be corrected from this game. Now is the true test for our squad, the long travel and the two playoff teams. This will show if we are champs or not. Elliot, I don't know about you, but I totally agree. I I think that this is a two-game regular season for the Eagles. You win both of them. You essentially clinch home field advantage throughout the playoffs. You split. You're probably in a good spot to still have home field, bare minimum a bye week. And if you lose both of them, then you have to look at this season in a completely different light because you might be playing catch up when you come home to go on the road against the Giants on December 17th. Yeah, if they lose both of these games, um, they will absolutely deserve to be looked at differently. Um, And uh, yeah, I I agree. I mean, if they that being said, if they win both of them, then I will say I mean, I already think like they're they have a I don't know, 45 percent chance of going to the Super Bowl. I think it's higher than that. But yeah, we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if they if they beat both of these teams then i mean that number to me will scott will go up to like 75 percent because yep. then you're probably gonna have home field advantage and you're at that point you're playing so well can can you imagine if they blow both these teams out <laughs> if they blow the bow if they blow both of these teams out elliot they're gonna go 14 and two and the only reason they lose another game is because they rested the starters against the cowboys and they might even because- beat the cowboys honestly with Nick Foles and with uh, Wendell Smallwood and Marcus Johnson, they might, they yeah. might. Um, but, but my thing is, if you win both of these games, then all bets are off. And I think that the separation between the Eagles and the rest of the NFC gets a lot wider. And I think that you can start to judge this team about where they stand against the Patriots and against the Steelers. Not that you can't do that now, but the Eagles will have earned their right to be called the class of the NFC and it won't even be close. So this next one will also kind of breeze through, but at Phil Hank, Phil H. Hank. Sorry, I can't read that name. Phil, Phil K. Hand, Phil Handros. K. Handros. All right, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. we appreciate the tweet, whatever your name is. Yeah, thank, uh, thank you, thank you, Mr. Handros. Yeah, Mr. yeah. Handros. Crazy a sloppy game by the Eagles results in a blowout win. No need to clean. Uh, need to clean that up for the West Coast trip. Wentz is still masterful. Team is rolling and having fun. We agree, and I think we both agree with that. But here's right. I'll say uh, there's two more things I want to talk about before we wrap up. Yep. And this is random, but this is the kind of hypotheticals I love. So I'm going to say this right now. If the Eagles make the Super Bowl, they'll win it. I don't care who they play. I don't. I mean, barring you know them getting there and Wentz being hurt in the final play before the game. If they go to the Super Bowl this year, they will win it. I believe that to my core. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. You agree? I, I don't know the, if they go to the Super Bowl this year that they will win it a hundred percent. Yep. I'm not quite ready to go there yet because I think that the Patriots are really good and beating 
Bill Belichick and Tom Brady is a whole nother mountain you have to climb. I think the Steelers can really give this team a fight. I will say this, and I think that it gets me close to where you are. I think that this is going to be their best chance to win a Super Bowl because we can all talk about Great. Carson Wentz continuing to develop, and that's going to be true. We can all talk about you know this team coming together and growing as a unit. It's not going to be every year where Ezekiel Elliott is suspended for six games and it derails the Cowboys season. It's not going to be every year that Aaron Rodgers is lost for the season in week four or week five and it derails the Packers season. It's not going to be every year that the Giants are irrelevant. It's not going to be every year that you know the NFC is going to be right there for the taking. So mm -hmm. I think that if they get to the Super Bowl this year, this represents their best chance to win it. I can't say that if they make it there, just hold the parade the Saturday before the Super Bowl, because I think that the Patriots and the Steelers are really, really good. But uh, I think agreed. the walk into a Super Bowl as a three-point favorite or three-point underdog. I think they're really good, too. Is what agreed. I'm and I, so I guess a couple things off of that. Um, one point that you made that I really do agree with is this is Eagles' best chance. Yep. That I mean, you know, the, and it's not even just the other teams. It's that. Like and we we can speak on it because we're we're really close to the situation. But I think a lot of fans could would say this and agree. Like this is a special team, just from like the depth, the way they get along, the way everyone's playing, the coaches. I mean, this is a special situation, yep. and it's going to be extremely hard to recreate next year. Not even even if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, even if Ezekiel only plays sixteen games. Like just the team itself is going to be very hard to recreate. And I think that's something that I mean. I remember the 0-1 Sixers when they lost to the Lakers, probably the most devastating loss of, of my sports fandom ever. I remember thinking, all right, well, they'll be back next year. And I'm sure Eagles fans, when, you know, they lost to the uh, Patriots in 04, like, all right, well, you'll, you'll be back next year. I mean, it's not always that simple. Um, but to, to why I'm so confident they'll win, um, and, you know, we can just, obviously, if they get there, we'll discuss matchups. I think that's needless yep. to say. But, um, I mean, yeah, the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year and Tom Brady's best quarterback of all time. But, the way the Falcons really got after him was that pass rush. And they, they I mean, let's be honest, the Falcons blew. I mean, they, they blew it. So it's, it's not right. like the, you know, if the Eagles are up 28 to three, I don't think they lose that game, but that's but last year's I, Patriots team. I mean, we, we factor is, in Brandon my, Cooks yeah. being there. We factor in, I don't think that Tom Brady was playing at a level last year that he is now, even at age 40, this looks like the Tom Brady we saw in 2007, which was his runaway best ever season. So again, Brady? Agreed. I think the Eagles go in as probably a three or four point underdog in a Super Bowl against the Patriots. Now, it's not it's not saying that the Eagles don't have a chance. I'm just not ready to anoint them as champions right. until you go out there and beat Brady and Belichick. And we can say the Falcons blew it in a lot of ways they did. Julian Edelman still has to make that catch. Brady still has to drive them down the field multiple times. And they still have to overcome a 28 to three deficit. You don't just blink your eye and come back. They, they were really good in that fourth quarter. They, they were. They were. I just think if the Eagles get to the Super Bowl, it'll be because they've they've kind of like not let the playoff lights, you know, wear them down and they've if they've not come small. And if they're playing their best football, which they probably will be if they get there, they're the best team in the league. And yes, Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time, and I'm not comparing Wentz to Tom Brady by any stretch. But for one game, if they're both playing at the level they are now, Wentz is still really, really good. So We'll look ahead to that one, but I'm just, I said this to Echo on the phone yesterday. I wanted to get it on the record. If they go to the Super Bowl this year, they're winning the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm sure of it. So there you go. There you go. So, so we can play that back. It's uh, your uh, giving Tuesday <laughs> gift to the fans, I guess. Yeah. Right. When we're on uh when we're on the uh, media float, the parade, I'll hold a sign up saying called it. So there we go <laughs> with, 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 with no huddle show logo. Um, All right. This, 
briefly, 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 uh, we didn't touch on this a ton in the post-game pod, but the Brandon Graham extension talk. Um, little interesting it hasn't happened yet, because it seems like one of those reports that comes out, and then within two days, it's done. Um, I know it's kind of only really been a little over two days, but uh, I mean, briefly, your thoughts on the extension. Um, my, my quick thought would be, I'm all for it. Uh, I think, you know, his cap hits seven and a half million next year. I think he's a guy you want to build around. He was voted a captain, uh, their best defensive end easily. Uh, I would want to do it, though, in a way where I see his cap number go down next year. And I think that's probably the Eagles thought process um, where you give him a three year deal and then he's on the books for 19 and 20 and maybe eight or nine million bucks. But next year you see that number go down considerably, save the Eagles three or four million dollars. So to me, it seems like a a, a no brainer. But just want to see if your opinion on that's changed at all since the postgame pod. You know, I I think you're right. I think that there are two reasons why you do this. You do it, number one, because he's your number one pass rusher. You've already committed to your two interior defensive tackles with extensions to Jernigan, extensions to Fletcher Cox, and you drafted Derek Barnett in the first round. So you're looking at Barnett to inherit a starting job or take one away potentially from Vinnie Curry next year. You want to make Brandon Graham happy and whole, but you also want to free up some cap space. So I could really see them, um, you know, moving some money around so that they are in a position to re-sign an Alshon Jeffrey so that they don't have mm-hmm. to have draconian cuts to players that you might not have expected to cut. And I know you went into a deep dive today on the site with the, the salary cap casualties that could be upcoming. So everybody should go check out that story. But I think that you do it, one, to make Brandon Graham whole and happy, two, to lower his cap number so that you can tie up one or two other loose ends, such as an extension for Nigel Bradham, such as signing Alshon Jeffrey, which I think is imperative at this point based on how he's playing. And number three, this team's foundation on defense is along the defensive line. You can make a case that they have the two best defensive tackle duo in football. You, You solidify that by having dominant defensive ends. You want to talk about winning multiple Super Bowls? You want to talk about keeping a team in the playoff race every single year? In addition to having the quarterback, you have to be dominant on both lines. They are on the offensive line, and they certainly would be for a very long time along the defensive line if you keep Brandon Graham here. Agreed. All right. Well, when we have, when I mean, if that extension is signed, we'll probably do an emergency pod and really get into it all. But Love we're going to wrap. Pod. Yeah, la, yeah, my favorite type of pod. Um, except for the one, it's the ones where I'm right. Those are my other favorite types of pods. But um, all right. So we're going to get into. Uh, we'll wrap this up, and I want to. I said it at the beginning briefly, but I couldn't remember the names of all the sites we're on, so I wanted to to say it. Uh, if you've listened this far, please subscribe. Especially if you're on YouTube, we appreciate the thumbs up. We appreciate the comments. But go subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. Um, and when you do, please leave those five-star reviews. Uh, we have two goals now, 300 by the end of uh, the L.A. game, and Matt wants 500 by the first playoff. So that would be pretty sick if we can make that happen. We can um, get there. We can we get, get there. there. I believe. I believe. All right. So everyone go subscribe. Leave us those five-star reviews. We appreciate it. And, Matt, I will talk to you on Friday for our preview pod of the Seahawks. Talk to you Friday. Friday.